0: I love to teach others how to implement top recommendations for health, happiness, and success. Yes, busy moms can follow a nutrition plan that supports their goals, create a daily exercise routine, and stay on top of their to-do list, and go to bed feeling fantastic about the day. Tune in each week as I share my best strategies for creating and sustaining daily habits for a healthy lifestyle, and chat with other experts in the health and wellness industry. Now on to this week's episode. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Healthy Habits for Life podcast. I'm Carol Perlman and I'm so glad that you have joined me for another episode. I have a guest with me today, Deborah Atkinson, and I have to tell you, I'm super excited to have Deborah on with us today. Really, it's a true honor for Deborah to be here. And so welcome Deborah. Thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. So I have been following you You know, I think it was one of those things that Instagram just randomly brought you across my page one day. And so I've been following you for a while. So I have a pretty good sense of uh, your philosophy and what you're doing. And so I should let people know today we're talking about fitness and um, fitness as you go through perimenopause and menopause and what kinds of new ideas you might want to consider. And basically, how do you get it right? Our bodies are changing And what I know so many people who are saying what used to work no longer works, and they know that there's a lot of information out there about what to do, but it's just so hard to sift through it and really get the science-backed answers of what is going to really be best for my body now and help me get results and improve and maximize my health as much as I can. And I think that's what people who are listening are really aiming for. So I asked Deborah to be here today because she is an expert on this and is going to um provide a roadmap for us. So do you want to start out Deborah and just tell us a little bit about who you are and you know kind of your background and the work that you're doing today.
1: So just back to the real dirt, I'm an Iowa girl. So um that says a lot to those who know Midwesterners. So Lots of, you know, conservative background and morals and values and and all that good stuff. So I've taken that, I hope, wherever I've gone. But I never set out to be a fitness professional. So first of all, I'll do that reveal. I thought I was going to be first Jane Goodall. And then I realized I don't like camping. So that was not going to work very well. And then I had a pencil and a notepad in my hand since I was probably a, a first grader. And I was going to be a graphic designer until my second year in college. And I realized that I had just gotten into walking and then jogging. And so I was officially a runner back in 1984. And every graphic designer I knew stayed up all night and smoked and drank. And I just was like, I do not fit in with this crowd. <laughs> and um, as much as I loved art, I, I put one foot into physical education, kept one foot in graphic design and probably by the grace of some really great instructors, ended up, you know, minoring in dance of all things, had never taken a dance class in my life, but you could say I majored in aerobics literally in the 80s and, you know, really was getting into injury prevention. And so I've always had this little background of wanting to up-level the fitness industry. It wasn't just about teaching aerobics, looking good myself, which every fitness instructor knows Part of it is we get to work out while we're working, and that was a big ploy. But for me, it's been so much more. I wanted the fitness industry to be, you know, left with the really great choices for women like us who are looking for them, seeking them, and seeking support. And that is still today, really dual kind of um, missions for for flipping fifty, if you will. There's no more powerful health influencer in the world than a midlife woman. A lot of the midlife women that I work with are either looking for workouts themselves or they're fitness instructors and trainers who, unfortunately, we're not immune, we've all discovered. We go through those hormonal changes mm. too. So a lot of times we're getting a wake-up call, which actually makes us better trainers and instructors because we also have walked through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've heard a woman say to me. I don't want to work with a 22 year old trainer who doesn't get know yep, yep. how to do it. And she had no idea and nothing against those of you who have younger daughters or who might be here lurking and you are young. I think I was a young and older than my years in wisdom, kind of a trainer. And so they're out there. So don't, don't just say no um, based on that, but I think we need better choices. So that's really the mission of what we're doing. I honestly quit my job after working in fitness for 30 years. I taught at a university and I was in the private sector as well. Quit them all to go online and teach marketing and sales to the good heart and knowledgeable trainers because they can't market and sell and they hate that part. And Mm -hmm. so we lost the good ones. We kept losing the good ones and we're kind of left then with marketers we need less of that. And we need more of the people who can really help once you get started with them. So we need to help people. And especially, I love this part of empowering midlife women to, you know, let's just state our value outright. The transformation you offer does have value to somebody. And let's just agree you can have a good life and serve people both. And, and they're valuable. And every woman wants you to succeed because now get it right we're mm-hmm. we're old enough to know if she wins I win not if she wins I lose and yeah. that's that's a huge place to be I think for for me so it is for us now all about hormone balancing because I realized in teaching marketing and sales I needed to be actually doing it myself or I was irrelevant I was just talking out of one side of my mouth and I thought okay I need still to be demonstrating that what I'm talking about works. And that's when flipping 50 was born. And I just pulled the niche that I had been hearing from for decades. Nobody gets us. My doctor says, well, that's part of menopause. What do you expect? You know, I mean, weight weight gain is just a part of it, you know, and the expectation that maybe you should just settle and accept this is it. Baby boomers were not willing to do that, so they really paved the way for the rest of us. I call myself a barely boomer. I'm just that last year hanging on. <laughs> Never really called myself a boomer until probably ten or twenty years ago. But, um that business really grew, and it grew so much faster because women were nobody was paying attention to them. Mm-hmm. Nobody was helping them. And and if we can give one takeaway, the best the best thing to ask you know, as far as are you doing the right thing is, how do you feel? Mm -hmm. We're forgetting to ask that of ourselves. Yeah, it's a
0: good question.
1: It's it's not a quota. It's not getting X steps, X minutes. It's first of all, how you feel as a result of what you've been doing. So if it's the right thing, then you'll know. If it's the wrong thing, then you'll know we need to change. Yeah. So,
0: you know, I, I'm just sort of thinking, Um, how much the fitness industry has changed over the years, you know, when you think back to the 80s and the world of aerobics and Jane Fonda, and, you know, that was great. But what I think is so fantastic now, is the opportunity to use the online space to help you with your fitness habit. And, you know, I'm such a proponent of that, because we have easy access to so many people. Of course, you have to find the right people to follow and good people and make sure that you're The information you're getting is sound and science-backed, but I just love the model that you are living of how you can be a positive influence on people every single day. And you show, I mean, I see you, you show yourself walking the walk, um, Mm -hmm. but then you also are able to provide guidance and provide the information and the roadmap. And I think it's a spectacular, not just a business model for you, but just um, a model that we all have access to now as we work on our habits. So- um, so let's dive in. So you and I were talking about what kinds of tips. So on the, the podcast, I always love to share, you know, five really good tips on the topic that we're covering. So you and I wanted, we decided to address, you know, if you are a midlife woman, you know, what kinds of things do you want to start thinking about when it comes to your fitness routine and how can you really give your body what it needs and um, and make sure you're doing the right thing? Like you said, prevent injury feel your best and best support your
1: health. So should we start with tip number one? Absolutely. So I would definitely look at what are you doing for your muscle and for your bone and body composition? I mean, those are three critical pieces, whether you're a woman who is just all about right now, like I want results right now, or you're really forward thinking, am I doing the right thing for my 10 or 20 or 30 years from now? It's, I think we all want the now and later we we want it all, but I think you've got to really look at that. So to answer that question, I think the biggest priority in every woman over 40s exercise program, biggest priority, that doesn't mean what you're doing most often just means you're doing the right thing. And this is pivotal is strength training making sure you are correctly strength training, reaching muscular fatigue at least twice weekly for major muscle groups. And ideally this is controversial for some people, but you're doing total body workouts. You're not splitting a routine and doing part of your muscle group this day, another part this day, because we need to get up and over the hill we need something called muscle protein synthesis. And that means we have to have adequate stimulus. So if you were riding your bike over a steep hill, you know, when you're not in very good shape and who is not experienced that you have to get off the bike and walk it up, which is very humiliating, right? That's a humbling experience when other bikers are passing you. But if you are, for instance, Lifting weights, feeling like I'm checking that box. Maybe you're going to a group class, but you're not actually reaching muscular fatigue at the end of every set, each 10 or each 15, depending on what day it is that you're doing. You're doing yourself an injustice and you're getting tired, but you are not getting better. And that is really an important key. And I use two versus three, because in all of the literature, two and three times per week, strength training or resistance training get no significant difference of results. And this is where some of us like to exercise more than others. And we we have to hold ourselves back a little bit so that we don't get exhausted and tired. You may be able to tolerate three, but I start everybody with two because of the women who come to me are already tired all the time. They admit I use these words all the time. I'm just tired. I'm exhausted. Well, we shouldn't be exercising to exhaustion. We should be exercising enough, just enough, not more, but just enough so that we have tons of energy to live more actively all day. So why is it that it's not ideal to split muscle groups? Because you don't get up and over the hill you just stimulate this much. And so you don't get this uphill over the top. I've reached muscle protein synthesis so that now my muscle will grow and get stronger, super compensate between. So we get eight times the metabolism boost in a total body versus a split routine. Now that's In that study, we have to give this caveat because almost everything I quote is about women in perimenopause. That study was based on males. There isn't one in existence based on females, but I think that it, fairly enough, we can extrapolate and say that's mm-hmm. probably for most of us. And women have less muscle tissue to stimulate in the first place. So, yeah, you know, I really want you to, unless you're spending hours because you're only doing a smaller area, a smaller area of your body when you do one group. So the boost in the muscle overload, the stimulus is not going to be as great. And it's not as if we can take one plus one plus one and equal the same total. That's really not how it works. We need a gigantic stimulus and then we need to rest and recover between. Yeah. And that stimulus again. And one thing that most women need to remember, because I hear this question if strength training is so great, why don't we do it more often? (laughs) And this is the American way, right? Right. Yep. More more is is better. Yep. Yes. Well, the answer to that is this, and this is a quote from Joe Friel. Um, So credit where credit is due, but we have to remember that fitness occurs during the recovery between exercise, not during the exercise. Fitness is a breakdown activity. We're actually creating little micro tears in muscles when we exercise. So if you don't let those come back together and they don't just get as strong as they were, they get a little bit stronger, kind of saying, I'm going to get more resilient because she might do that again. And I'm going to be ready this time. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what you want. It's why something that stressed you out five years ago potentially doesn't stress you out quite so Mm -hmm. much. You know, if you're a business owner, you know that that's going to yeah. happen. It's like, oh, well, I knew somebody was going to quit at some point and I'd have to hire again. You know, it's, you're ready for it. So it's not as big a stressor. And that's yeah. really what you're trying to let your body do. And
0: would you also add to that, um, that, well, do you want to talk a little bit about progressive muscle overload?
1: Yeah. yeah. Let's do that, right? Yeah. Because if we were talking, what would you do for, say- metabolism boosting, or which is for weight weight loss, or it was for bone density, we want you to be working a little bit heavier. And that we define heavy, not as how much weight is that, because that's different for me, or a hundred people here are going to have a hundred different answers. But we answer that in how many repetitions are you doing until you just can't do any more, or do them safely or well. So 10 or fewer repetitions is that number, but we would never want to start anybody with that. Even if somebody's saying, well, but bone density is my goal. That's great. Let's know that by the time we reach two or two and a half months from now, that our goal is to get you lifting heavier. So we start with somewhere between 15 and 20 repetitions. You know, when you start getting over 25 repetitions, we're doing wear and tear on joints, mm-hmm. you know, just repetition as opposed to the load on joints. So we find that sweet spot of this is doable, but if I reach fatigue, muscle fatigue by 15 to 20 repetitions somewhere in there, I'm going to do that for about two weeks. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so
0: the idea is that, you know, I think a lot of people make this mistake where you have one set of hand weights at home. Oh, I have like the 10 pounds, or I have 15 pounds. So that's just what I use. When Mm -hmm. I, you know, do upper body workouts and it's really important to keep pushing up and up and up and keep building the, um, the load that you're able to lift.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a great thing. If you have to go shopping for weights, liberate it, celebrate that money that you spend. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay.
0: And then we have the other side of the equation. So that's tip number one is to make sure you're focusing on strength training and not getting caught up being the cardio bunny like we did in the 80s. Um, And so strength training two to three times a week, really don't disregard the days for rest because that's when the magic is really happening. And make sure that you're pushing your weights up and up so you're getting stronger and challenging your muscles. So if you're going to be lifting such heavy weights, you need to fuel your body. So do you want to talk a little bit about that and nutrition?
1: Yes, just a little bit, right? <laughs> because it is oh so important, and I think this is where women who maybe have been exercising for decades and say they've always been lifting, and so they've got that they know what to do, and they are willing to push. Maybe saying, "Well, I'm not reaching enough stimulus, and or not reaching goals, not seeing the muscle tone, or still seeing, you know, um, more body fat than I have ever before." We've got to kind of pick up where estrogen drops off. So when we start perimenopause in that roller coaster, estrogen for us, for women, is like testosterone for men, truly. So yes, testosterone and growth hormone are two other hormones that do help muscle stimulus, but estrogen is a huge stimulus for not just bone, but for muscle. So when that leg of the stool is gone, we have two places, the resistance training And muscle or protein synthesis from food that we eat in order to supply that muscle with the missing piece to fill in that gap. Otherwise, we're probably still losing muscle easier Mm -hmm. than we're getting it. So the the amount of protein that we need for some women is is considerably more than they've been used to eating their entire lives. Mm-hmm. The magic number per meal, and this is according to research that's been readily available since 2008, um, a couple researchers out of University Texas Medical Branch have been publishing it. There are RDs on board. There are nutritionists in protein, but longevity experts across the board, all the important people agree about 30 grams per meal and 30 grams of high quality. So there is a difference between the quality of the essential amino acids, which are the building blocks of protein in your choices. So if you choose beans and rice, because you might be vegetarian or you choose a steak, you're going to have to eat considerably more calories in the beans and rice in order to achieve the same amount of protein that you would in the the beef steak for instance mm-hmm. so um you know it, those are things to consider that you may need supplementation and those people who are choosing vegetarianism or veganism and and really committed to it no judgment there it's just let your body also tell you that either maybe you might want to try meat or introduce it or Try supplementation. Essential amino acids can become really important so you can reach that place.
0: And would you say that that applies to snacks as well? So, if presumably you're having three meals and then maybe some additional snacks, that you need to make protein the anchor for your snacks as well.
1: Protein should definitely I mean, be the anchor if you're snacking. Yes. And, you know, a lot of women who are exercising enough in order to, they're doing enough resistance training or walking or doing maybe high intensity interval training as well, you wanna fuel that and you wanna put those meals or those snacks so it's almost a mini meal. It's like, I call them eating events, right? So Mm -hmm. whether you call it breakfast, lunch and dinner or you call it breakfast one, breakfast two, try to eat, definitely bookending your workout and then spread the others evenly throughout the day as well will be much more helpful Bookend your workout with protein. Is that what you're saying? Bookend your workout with high protein. Yes. Okay. So yes, and it helps. So if you're 130, you know, you weigh 130 pounds, 130 grams of protein per day is a really easy way to do it. Most of us are not going to sit down and do the math and say, well, it was 1.8, you know, grams per kilogram of body weight. I mean, you've got to convert We've got to convert, and then you've got to look at your plate and say, "Is that is that what's there?" You know, if you just think your palm to your first knuckle and then about three quarters of an inch thick, that's a kind of a serving. So if you have a a piece of salmon or chicken or um, and if you're doing beans, beans or rice, it becomes a little bit more complicated. So you got yeah. to read labels really well. But you're looking for getting 30, 35 grams of protein easily in a, about a five-ounce is pretty fair to say across the board. Yep. You've hit that mark. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. All right. Um, yeah. So
0: what how you fuel your body is so important. It goes hand in hand with the type of exercise that you're doing to achieve your goals. So when it comes to goals, you know, there's a lot of people still, even though we've been doing work on this, um, but a lot of people are still very stuck on the scale and, oh, I want to see that number on the scale go down and that's how I will measure my success. What is your recommendation when it comes to that?
1: We need to throw out those dumb scales. And I would love for everybody in 2024 going forward to have only a smart scale, smart scale being, it's going to tell you your weight, but it's also going to tell you what is that weight made up of. So we need to know percent body fat. And if your smart scale is only smart enough to tell you that, you got a good thing going. Because we can figure out the fat-free mass is the rest. So just to somebody who sat at the dining room table a long time doing math in high school, you know, I can do that one. You can do it. Okay. But If you've got a little smarter scale, it's actually going to tell you your weight, your percent body fat, and your lean muscle mass in pounds. And a lot of people will ask, well, what should my percent of muscle be? And we don't actually want to do it because if we get into a slippery slope, when we get into talking about percent of muscle, because percent of fat is changing, it could change by default. We Mm -hmm. want to know pounds. I I want to know that you have muscle right now, X, and that you're never going to lose it if anything, you're going to gain it, That you are not losing it. Not on my watch. Or mm-hmm. if you're losing weight, granted, we almost always lose a small percent of muscle as well. We want to mitigate that and we want to get it back right away. Yeah. We want to make sure we're lifting weights, eating a little bit more protein. And if you're trying to lose weight, creating a little caloric deficit, but bumping your protein requirement up. So if I wanted to lose weight and I weigh 130 pounds now, I'm going to try eating 140 or 45 or 50 pounds or grams of protein with a little caloric deficit. So it's not going to leave a lot of extracurricular space. Yeah. In time, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I like, yeah. So that's that's a really important
0: distinction. The idea of weight loss on the scale, just that broad number versus mm-hmm. really understanding how much weight you have in muscle. And maybe you're looking to decrease the number of pounds in fat. Um, but preserving your weight and muscle and even adding to that over time. Amen. So that's yes. really the goal. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, so I love the the analogy that you gave with the stool, how we have different pillars that help support our health goals. And so we know that there's nutrition, we know that there's strength training, and then we have these other elements such as stress and sleep. So what do you want to say about that?
1: Yeah. Well, and both of those could fall under the category of recovery. You Mm -hmm. know, we alluded to recovery is really important. And, you know, sleep is the queen of recovery, truly. And stress is like the nemesis of recovery. So exercise is stress. So I'll start there. We have to remember that. And so to someone listening who loves exercise and says, but that's how I negate my stress. I know you. I I am you, me too. And we sometimes have to pull ourselves back just a little bit because again, how do you feel and how is what you're doing working for you? Because you may need to fill in that spot where you typically go for a run or do high intensity interval training and instead Let's try going for a walk and let's try doing yoga, something a little bit lower, not as stressful that maybe replenishes or supplies a balance for cortisol. So most of us have stress because we have meaningful people and meaningful purpose in our lives. We love our jobs, a lot of us, but there's just a lot of it, right? And so the cortisol is not necessarily going to go away. But what we know about cortisol is if we offset it with feel-good hormones like serotonin from sunshine, talking to a girlfriend, laughing, or sweet potatoes, right? Carbohydrates actually help women decrease their their cortisol by increasing serotonin. Who knew? And dopamine, you can get that from from dancing, from music, from laughter, oxytocin, from hand-holding hugs, hugging pets. Um, sex, right? So there's your a permission slip for this weekend. Mm-hmm. So any of those things help you to, if they're up, cortisol can't be. So helping you to decrease stress, but realizing exercise can be a part of the problem. And when life throws you a lot of stressors, the thing we can control is exercise. So mm-hmm. yes, move, but maybe less so that you're not also going really high, really hard and mm-hmm. mentally you know what we do? We beat ourselves up. Like I didn't do that workout. I couldn't do it. And, and you're ruminating about that. So let it go and say, this is the best possible thing for me, actually Mm -hmm. to do a really short workout is better than doing a long one right now and realizing, ah, you know, I can put that down for a minute. It's okay.
0: It's so funny. It just goes against how we have been conditioned to think, you know, more is better. And um, and the idea that, well, first of all, something's always better than nothing, but even less is really going to benefit you more mm-hmm. in the end. It's it's really a different mindset. And I'm so glad that you pointed that out. Yeah. Um, okay. And then the last topic we wanted to cover was this thought that, you know, the ship has sailed. If my body is the way it is now, that's just kind of how it's going to be.
1: And what do you want to say about that? Stop it. <laughs> just, just stop it. You know, I think this has been said by researchers. When they look across the board at, um, you know, what we're seeing across the world globally with 90-year-olds, 100-year-olds for that matter, 80-year-olds, 70-year-olds, that there is such a wide continuum of health that shows up. We have every evidence to believe we could all be living actively and aging well. And instead, you know, some of our life choices that we've made up to this point, based on the information that we've had from this point, may have led to not aging as well. And we are in this unique place right now where, you know, my mom passed two years ago, actually, ironically, today, as we're doing this. But she never lifted weights, right? I mean, in her lifetime, certainly, I don't think she ever did lift weights at all, but certainly regularly. Right. Um, but when we get to somebody who's right now, 85, I mean, there may be a few when we get to somebody who's 75, a lot of them, a lot more of them are lifting and we're going to be the first generation who's lifted our entire lives. We're, we're no longer going to put those down as we, we won't put our phones down either. We're going to live with those mm-hmm. until gone. And that means we are raising the roof in terms of holding on to our strength, our stamina and our muscle, improving our body composition, which is going to decrease diseases, including pre-diabetes, diabetes, belly fat that's related to that insulin resistance. We have so much more to look forward to compared to other decades. I mean, I'm getting chills talking about it. This is a great time to be aging. It's a great time. And we are handing that down to our daughters, our daughters in law, and those younger people that we mentor. So be a good example,
0: yeah, I love it. I know so many people who say that they are lifting now because they want to be want to be able to get on and off the toilet on their own when they're older <laughs> and it's you know, my goal <laughs> yeah, it's a goal, like you know we we it's in our control. We can think about how do you want to live when you are older and how independent do you want to be and there's a lot that we can influence by what we're doing now not only to feel our best now but also to set ourselves up to have a better life in the future
1: yeah absolutely and i think i i would love to impress this i don't think you want to choose your skinny jeans over your future your mm-hmm. 85-year-old self you know i mean do something your 85-year-old self will thank you for if you're Going to extremes, you're not eating the protein or you're depriving yourself and maybe over-exercising, you're tired all the time now. Fast forward 20 years. What does that look like then? You know, yeah, and I love that. You can't you that. can paint a better picture. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So um we've covered some really important topics today. So thank you so much. I've learned a lot and I have a lot to chew on that I'm gonna work on implementing. And so I'm curious where, well, first of all, can you share where can people find you, but also what kinds of programs do you have now and coming up if people are interested in getting some extra guidance?
1: Yeah. So flipping50.com, all spelled out, just letters, no numbers. Um, that's where we are in terms of websites. So lots of free things like podcasts and blogs and Flipping 50 TV episodes where we've answered questions from people probably just like you. Mm-hmm. Um and coming up, our anchor program, um, is called a stronger 12 week program, but we have a nine of them to choose from inside of our membership so that if you are, you know, already struggling with a little adrenal fatigue, but know you need to begin exercising. It's a, it's a 30 minute shorter program. Or if you are starting restarting exercise, you know, something else, um, Or if you're ready to go a step further, working on a progressive program that walks you through. The important thing is um, in the membership, nothing is like stopping at YouTube, you know, and nothing against YouTube. And there's probably a lot of great videos there. I've got some there, but the problem is it needs to be progressive. What you did, Mm -hmm. you know, last week should dictate what are you doing this week and what will happen in your next workout. They should be related. And complement each other so that you're progressively strengthening not just your muscle and bone, but that connective tissue gets either the break it needs this week or gets the push that it needs this week. And that is really something we don't want to overlook. So if you know how to do it yourself, fantastic. But if you don't, we're there to help. We open a membership and we do it annually and we have we have this we have the surprise coming up, but we open it up over Black Friday, which has now become a week. I think, mm-hmm. we have- yeah, <laughs> right? right? So Black Friday week, we open our membership up for the lowest price you'll see all year. And the reason is total transparency. I want you to become codependent.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't
1: want you for 12 weeks. If I can get you for a year, I can change your life. I can't do that in 12, but we can yep. get started. Yeah. <laughs> I believe we- it. Yep also do a a 12-day program. If you want to stick your toe in the water, we call it the Blissmas Challenge this time of year. So a lot of people want to stay on track, do not want to sign up for the I want to gain 10 pounds over the holidays and I'll see you in January program. And I hope you don't. We can't afford to do that anymore, guys. We really can't. I think we've got to pay attention a little bit more, enjoy it, but also stay diligent with your program, stay on track. So the program actually has. High intensity interval training in it, strength training in it, yoga in it, but they're very short so that you can do it, can find time to fit it in in about 20 minutes every day. And I'm basically showing you here's a layout for a well-planned workout 12 days in a row. Amazing. I'm excited to check them out.
0: So, we'll put all the links in the show notes if anyone is interested in getting more information. And we'll also put your Instagram and all your other links in there as well. So, just check out the show notes for where you can find Deborah online. And, Deborah, I just want to say thank you so much. Again, this was really informative. I learned a lot. I hope everyone listening learned a lot. And we are now much better positioned to reach the health goals that we have for now and for our 85 year old self. And I think I want to end with that quote. I just love what you said. Do something today that your 85 year old self will thank you for. I think that's really powerful.
1: Me too. And I'll see you there. We'll play together.
0: Awesome. (laughs) I would love it. Yeah. So thanks again. And thanks everyone for listening. And I'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Healthy Habits for Life. If you love today's episode, please follow me on iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. These are so important and will enable others like you to find this podcast. Also, please share this podcast with your friends you know would also love it so we can get the word out. Thanks again for joining me. Until next week.